Hello, this is Tim Rausenberger with BrassTenor.com. Today is Labor Day, Monday, September 4th, 2017. This is episode 75. All kids are awesome. My first teaching experience in the public schools was during my student teaching in my senior year of college. And I can say that I'm one of the very few people who has student taught and had the opportunity to work with students of all ages and all areas of my particular subject, my discipline. Because it wasn't just music. I taught high school chorus, middle school general music, elementary school general music, and elementary school band. It was a great comprehensive experience. I taught in four different schools. Started the day every day at the high school. The late morning was spent at the middle school. And the afternoon was spent in two different elementary schools. One elementary school for a few days and then another elementary school for the other days. And back then, before I even set foot into the schools, I was told by not just my cooperating teacher, but many other people, this is what you have to expect. This is what you're going to see from the kids. Before I even set foot into the classroom, I had an idea. I was told what the students would be like. I prejudged them. And so I went in with this mindset. The chorus had grades 7 through 12. The general music class, if I remember correctly, I believe was two different, I think it was 7th grade classes. And then the elementary school ranged in grades. In one school, I exclusively taught band. In another school, I did band lessons and elementary general music. And in that school, where I did the elementary general and band, I was told that it was the little school in the woods not quite as civilized as the other three schools, in their words. So I walked in, and you could just see right away on the playground, it was a different atmosphere. It was almost like I had entered into the twilight zone compared with the other three schools in the district. The other three schools in the district People in that area tended to be middle class, 
I don't think there were many who were upper middle class, nor do I think there were many who were low, lower middle class. I think most of them were just middle class. And I think a lot of people would categorize them as normal kids. And then we had the other school. This is a school which had a lot of families who were very poor, perhaps didn't have a great deal of education. Their way of life was different. And look no further than how the kids were raised. And I went into that school and between what I was told in advance and what I observed and what I observed not just on the playground and in the first class, what I observed over the first few days, it almost came off as being uncivilized. Obviously, these were bad kids. And it wasn't going to be a situation of what am I going to be able to do with them today? It was more, what am I going to be able to do with them at all? Now, in a previous podcast episode, I referred to this particular school. I may have shared with you a student teaching experience I had. Terrible, terrible incident. One of the low points in my career in which I lost control of a general music class in front of one of my college professors. Tremendously embarrassing. But I look back now, and if I could go back in time and take what I know now, the school I would want to teach at the most, hands down, would be that little school in the woods. There's no doubt about it. And that's nothing against the students who were in the high school or the middle school or the other elementary school. The problem with those first three schools, quite frankly, is there were a lot of kids who were very entitled. There were a lot of kids who, I don't know if I'd go so far as to call them spoiled brats, but I can definitely tell you that during my time there, I was privy to things that were very surprising about the students. I was aware that drug use and alcohol and parties for underage students were prevalent in that area of that particular community. I know this because students would tell me about it on Monday when they'd walk in. And it wasn't just high school students, it was middle school students too. I have a hard time believing that many of the students in the little school in the woods necessarily were doing the same things. 
They may have, but I'm not so sure. I frequently see on social media, particularly on Facebook, I'll see people say, my kids are so awesome. My kids did this today. And you know what? You're right. They are awesome. But here's where I think people get it wrong. Your kids are awesome, but all kids are awesome. And if you are an experienced and excellent teacher who has the ability to motivate, to inspire, to instill respect, if you are able to do that, all kids are awesome. Well, they'll be awesome for you, but you have to have the ability to adapt. And the problem with a lot of teachers is they don't know how to adapt in certain settings. One of the most important lessons I ever learned when it comes to this was by a college professor from the Midwest. And I had attended a music conference, and quite frankly, I just don't know where the conference was. I'd like to believe it was either a national conference or an Eastern Division conference for what was MENC at that time and now is NAFME. And I will never forget the story that he told all of us about teaching in an inner city school and how much he enjoyed it. And his job was to be one of the cafeteria monitors. He was in there to supervise, to make sure that kids were making the right decisions, that kids were doing the right things, and that they were following the rules. And here's what he observed over the first two weeks. Students would come in to the cafeteria and sometimes they'd leave a mess at the tables. Not always, sometimes they did. But there was one thing that was always consistent. The students, the second the bell would ring, the second the bell would ring, it was like a charging of the bulls. The running of the bulls straight to the exit doors into the hallway. So intense, so powerful, that if you were in the way, you would literally have gotten trampled. And he said all the teachers feared for their lives and just got out of the way and let these students do this. And what was funny is there was no indication that this would happen prior to this. There wasn't anger or violence or anything. I'm sure some of it was pent up and I'm sure that some of it was how they 
some of the students had been raised, but this happened for two straight weeks. And after two weeks of seeing this, he finally said, you know what? I'm going to do something different next Monday. And boy, did he ever. Because the following Monday, he walked in and he made an announcement to the cafeteria. He was a rookie teacher in that district. Never taught in an inner city school. And was in charge of a large number of high school students. And he looked at them and said, I want to remind you of all, all of the cafeteria rules. And there's one more thing. When the bell rings, I will dismiss you by table. Anyone who does not comply with this will not be dismissed. That means that when the bell rings, you are not to go running to the doors. You are to wait quietly at your seat and be dismissed like human beings and not like charging animals. Before he did his job in the cafeteria that day, he had consulted with the principal. A very wise move. Because if you're a rookie teacher and you're looking to do anything like that, it's always a good idea to check in with the administration rather than just be uh, uh, someone who's going to, I wouldn't say not follow the rules, but someone who's going to be a little more rebellious as a teacher and try different types of things. Sometimes it doesn't go over too well with administration, especially if they've had some certain things in place, effective or not, for a long time. And he went up to the principal and he said what he was going to do, and the principal said, fine. And the principal said, just so you know, though, this is not going to work because they're going to go over those doors anyway. And he said, I know. He said, I only need one thing from you, though. He said, I need you to notify the teachers of the students coming from lunch that some of them might be late to class. I don't need anything else. I just need you to do that for me. And the principal agreed to it. And so that day came, and he went into the cafeteria, and he gave them all the instructions that you needed, that they needed for the day what all the rules were, laid down the framework and the guidelines. When the bell rang, the students did not listen and they ran for the doors. However, he did something which, quite frankly, in this day and age, I don't know if you'd be able to get away with doing it for fire codes and things of that nature. But there were about six doors that they would run out of. And these doors would go flying open and they would be running out into the hallway. He had 
five of the six doors shut down. They were chained up and locked by the custodians. And here's what he did. He had them locked up and stood by the one remaining door. And that one remaining door, while he stood there, he grabbed onto the door, both sides of it, for dear life. And the second that the students went for the door, he wouldn't let them through. And they were punching him, and they were kicking him, and he was bloodied, he was battered, they spit on him, and he didn't go anywhere. And this went on for a solid 15 minutes. And he wasn't a big guy. He was not going to let go of those doors. And then they finally figured it out. We're not getting out of here. This guy isn't messing around. Maybe we should sit down. And they did. From that day forth, he never had a problem ever again because of the newfound respect they had for this teacher who quickly became one of the most admired and respected teachers in the history of that particular school district. He taught there for well over a decade. The issue with children comes down to the way that they're brought up by their parents and the level of respect they have for themselves and others and just humanity and the environment. That's all it comes down to. With every child everywhere. Everywhere. This asinine idea that the best kids are the best kids because they grow up in affluent neighborhoods is hogwash. In my career, I have worked at every level. I've worked with the richest of the rich and the poorest of the poor. I've been in populations where over 80% of the students are Caucasian. I've worked in environments where over 98% of the students were Hispanic. I've worked in districts where the diversity was off the charts, in which stu students in the school spoke well over 40 different languages, and it wasn't a big school. And people coming from all different types of socioeconomic backgrounds. And you know what? They were all awesome. Yes, there were some very troubled students. Yes, there were some students who never quite got it. There were some students who were really a pain in the neck to teach. They made life difficult every day. 
but they were few and far in between. It ultimately comes down to adaptability. If you have been lucky enough to have students who are very respectful and a, a, a supportive environment, that's great. But in the words of one of my college professors, I challenge you, and it's a strong challenge, what would you be able to do in a different environment with the quote-unquote not easy kids? Where, what would you do with those students? What are you going to do when they're talking to you in their street lingo? How are you going to handle students who have no respect and no regard for anything? Does that make them bad people? Does that make them bad kids? No. Kids are kids. All kids are awesome. It has to do with their environment, has to do with their upbringing. And then finally, for 180 days a year, for six plus hours a day, their care and well-being is being entrusted with educators. It is our job, and it is our job, to do what we can to make a difference in their lives and a positive one, not to beat them down, not to tell them how awful they are, not to tell them all the things that they're hearing all day, like some of the real negativity that they may be receiving on an everyday, uh, everyday situation in their homes where they're clearly not loved the way they should be or cared for or even acknowledged All kids are awesome because all kids need adults. All kids need attention. They all want it. They have different ways of wanting it, though. Some are going to be very, very kind and grateful and say please and say thank you. Others just don't do that because that's the way that they were raised. And somebody didn't enforce it enough. And I'll be the first to tell you that if I had my druthers, I would often prefer to teach students who had less than had more. Because too often I've seen the students who have more become spoiled brats and have no concept of what the world is really like seeing it through rose-colored glasses. When you get a student who has experienced the worst of the worst of the worst, and then they find that they have a gem of a teacher who truly cares about them and is watching out for them and takes a genuine interest in what they do, that, my friends, is a beautiful thing. The Lego movie says... Everything is awesome. I say all kids are awesome.